When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bigfoot Collectors Club presents Terrifying Tales from Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt! <laughs> I know a ghost story about you! Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. I forgot, it's October. I think usually we say ghost, but now everyone's saying ghost instead of host on podcasts. Everyone's really, <laughs> you know, they've gone full into the spooky season, so it's more original now, I think, if we just call each, call ourselves hosts during uh, Halloween month and not ghosts. But, uh, you know. What's, what's spookier than a podcast host, really? That's true. Mean, terrifying getting cornered by a podcast host at a party exactly. they tell you that's nightmare fuel what they're working on no, no. well it is, is october it, <laughs> it is october that means it's the spooky season and that means it is the return of zombie bigfoot's cryptid crypt all month yes. long we will be sharing extra spooky topics and stories of high strangeness and we are kicking things off with a bang we have an expert episode for you all this week with a bona fide ghost hunter. And believe it or not, I think it's the first one we've ever had on the pod. It is. It is. Absolutely it is. So this is a uh, this is a monumental moment. And v- seeing as how we proved that ghosts were real on this yeah. podcast, I mean, it's, we it's perfect. Yeah. So sure. uh, no need to bring one in until you're half, a ten year, half of a decade into your podcast about the paranormal. <laughs> Five years find. in, yeah. that's when you bring in a ghost hunter. Um, our guest has been a paranormal researcher and tech geek for several decades. She's appeared on The Ellen Show, was, feature, was the featured story of the A&E show, My Ghost Story, where she also worked as a consultant on the series. She is a recurring guest of the hit YouTube channel TFIL with Elton Casty and Corey Scherer and has assisted YouTube celebs like Markiplier, a recent new friend of the show, and Ethan mm-hmm. Nestor Darling in their limited series Unus Annis. Her work has taken her to sites all over the United States and the globe. Club Scouts of all timelines, please welcome to the show our very first ghost hunter, Linda the Ghost Hunter. Woo! Woo! Wow, am I honored? The first one. Wow, this yeah. is huge. You know what? No pressure here, huh? <laughs> first one asked and the first one to say yes, so it worked out. <laughs> wow. I think, I think a lot of people, because we've had mediums on the show, um, I think sometimes people confuse ghost hunt ghost hunters and mediums. Is that true? Do you think that that... Do you find that those wires get crossed sometimes? 
Lots. Yeah. Many times I go to people's houses and they're like, well, what are you picking up? And I'm like, well, I'm picking up some equipment. Is that what you brought me in to do? You know, you got to have a little fun with this. Um, Yeah, but they do get it confused. They really do quite often. So you don't speak to ghosts so much as you detect ghosts. You're like the ghost busters. I I am intuitive, but I feel for credibility's sake um, hmm. I prefer to be more technical than use what people would call my third eye or my ability. Mm-hmm. I much prefer to use the geek squad stuff to actually verify it's real. So you're like Egon Spangler if he did have a psychic sense that he put in the back seat. Yes. Fantastic. Any comparison? Sorry, <laughs> to put I just it in can- terms we can understand. Yes, to put it in terms that we '80s boys can can wrap our brains around. And for people who might be tuning into the show for the first time, could you briefly explain what an intuitive is? Yes. Well, an intuitive, a psychic, a medium—many, many terms, pretty much meaning all the same thing—is someone that has a gift to see things that others may not. They can also sense things. Some can hear things. Basically, it's the gift of knowledge that your average Joe does not have. And it deals with the term paranormal because you're picking up something that no one else can see or hear. Mm -hmm. So you must have somewhat of a personal paranormal history. Uh, We ask all of our guests about that background. When did you discover that you might have this intuitive side? Well... Uh, it came to me before I probably could talk. Um, I grew up in San Francisco, um, in the sixties. Wow. I just gave everybody my age. Oops. Anyway, (laughs) um, my mom was, was very intuitive. You know, she was the kind of mom you really did not want if you were trying to hide something because she would just know. So, um, when I was very, very young, we lived in an old flat And I remember playing with a small child whose name was Julie. And I swore that Julie came over all the time to play with me. The only difference between her and my other friends is she lived in the fireplace. Mm -hmm. So very normal friendship. We played. I put the toys out. We enjoyed each other's company. And, of course, my mom was very aware of what was going on and never brought it up, brought it to my attention whatsoever, that this was weird. Um, It wasn't until I got older (laughs) that I kind of put two and two together and realized that I probably had a little ghost friend that I was playing with. Um, Did your mom mom ever light the fireplace? Thank God the fireplace never worked. No (laughs) no ghosts were harmed in any of this playing going on. Uh, It was just, you know, a real interesting childhood And I think, you know, I've done a lot of research and worked with a lot of haunted kids. And I really feel that kids, of course, are the most intuitive because Mm. it's before we put up these boundaries, you know, where we stop it and Mm. we get afraid. So um, that was definitely my first experience with intuition. And it just went on from that point. You know, it was a very, very, very interesting life I've lived, uh, you know, with my intuition. And it's something I've tried to suppress but uh, I've been unsuccessful in doing so. Linda, I'm sorry. We're going to have to talk a little bit more about the girl who lived in the fireplace. Um, <laughs> let's, I mean, how would a typical encounter, I mean, now you would call it an encounter, but how 
in your memory, what did she look like? How yeah, yeah. did you know she was there? How did you know it was time to play? Like walk us through one of those encounters. How did you know it was time to play? That's such a creepy question. It is. It's very creepy, <laughs> but very cool. I'm, you know, I love the combination of both. So, you know, I was an only child and, you know, growing up in San Francisco in the 60s, quite a bit was going out on the outside. You know, I was right by Golden Gate Park. So you had the whole hippies revolution happening out front of my house. Cool. So needless to say, my parents kind of kept me inside (laughs) quite often. (laughs) And so I was an inside kid. And, you know, I remember, you know, have the the breakfast in the morning, just like every other kid and sit down with the toys and just put them right out in the living room, just spread them everywhere you can. And I remember Julie, who had bright red hair and Mm. freckles, would just come and sit with me and play with the dolls or the little train or whatever it was I was playing with, you know, at at the time. And, you know, just our tea party. I remember, I don't ever remember her actually physically holding a cup or anything. I wish I could remember all these little details, but I cannot. Mm. But. You know, it was nothing that ever really drew suspicion to me. It was just really a normal childlike playtime, you know. And again, we're so open when we're kids that we just don't see these things that we do as adults. Can I, can I ask a question, Linda? Did did sure. did uh, Julie have a, a personality or one or, or something that you could pick up on that was like sort of outside of the norm of what you were experiencing? Oh, this girl's talking about stuff I've never heard of. Is there anything like that? No, no. You know, mm-hmm. later in life, obviously, I've experienced that. But no, at that point, no. You know, I had a lot of friends that would come over and play, you know, the neighborhood kids. And it was no different playing with Julie than it was playing with Billy down the street or Polly down the street or any of the other kids. Except so, Billy didn't climb out of the <laughs> fireplace. Yeah, once, subtle difference. Yeah. The did she fireplace come? was kind of a giveaway. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a giveaway. Kid, how did she enter? I'm sorry I'm holding on to this, fixating on this, but how did she come in and out of the, did she go up the, the, the chute like Santa or like how, <laughs> you know, again, until really this conversation, I have not even thought of this. Um, I'm not sure how she came in and out. It was a, a duplex, you know, that we lived mm. in or a flat as they call them in San Francisco. And we were on the, the first level. So there was obviously another unit above us that would have had, you know, a, a fireplace that met up, mm-hmm. you know, at least the shoot would. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how she actually would come in. Maybe for all I know, she was someone who died upstairs and came down or someone mm. who died in our unit before we ever lived there. I, I don't know. But well, you just knew, oh, this is Julie from the fireplace. Yeah, this is Julie from the fireplace. And she's cool. Wow. We play and we have fun and we laugh and we have a great time. And again, keep in mind, my mom's here. You know, she's not elsewhere. She's cleaning the kitchen. And she sees me talking to this person and she's not even batting an eye. <laughs> and right. she's she's seeing you talk to someone who's not there, presumably. Who's not there. But wow. again, my mom is intuitive. So did she see the same thing I was seeing? Knowing her till the day she died? Yeah, I bet you she did. And really had no intentions of calling the whole thing out. I love right. that she's that is, like, wow. outside there's a cultural revolution taking place, so let's keep Linda <laughs> indoor with Julie from the fireplace. <laughs> Far less scary than those dirty hippies, by all means. Right. Okay. Of course. <laughs> so how long did you live yeah. in that house? Well, I, we moved when I was eight. 
So pretty, mm-hmm. you know, from zero to eight kind of, you know, wow. very young. Did you perceive Julie having like a full physical form? Like there was no sort of like, you know, as you'd picture like sort of translucent spirit. Yeah. No, you know, wow. None of the above, you know, I mean, again, I'm not new to doing this. I've been doing this for many sure. years and I've seen my share of full body apparitions I've seen my share of children particularly, and they all have kind of a weird look now where I can say, mm. hey, not a live child, you know, tell these mm, little something right. off about this kid. But she wasn't through the corner of my eye. She did not appear out of nowhere. She just sat and joined me like any other kid would. Wow. wow. Pro- pro- yeah. Probably because you didn't have any frame of context or reference. You're just you're just accepting what you're seeing, you know, whereas now you've had life experiences that can sort of act as a filter to, you know, maybe f- full state apparitions and ghost children today that you see back then when you were just a little girl, you're like, oh, this is what it is. Right. Right. Completely accepting, not even questioning at all. That's amazing. Well, it's, I think it's interesting, too, because how. You know, this is probably happening more often than than not because I think psychologists somewhat normalized this idea of imaginary friends, which is which is on pretty shaky ground, I think. But uh, but you know, uh, there's probably a lot of parents just going, "Oh, that's just Bobby talking to his imaginary friend." When meanwhile, it might just be a ghost child. <laughs> I, I, listen, I get called in for these all the time. Many times it is, you know. And I think it's great if kids actually have imaginary friends because, you know, I think it's great for kids to use their imagination, you know, but um, sometimes it's not. Sometimes there yeah. is some something there. So when did you pick up on, oh, okay, I might be connecting with something on the other side? Well, that didn't, that did not come till years later. We, we moved to one more place, uh, in the suburbs of San Francisco. And this area was landfill. And before that was part of the Bay. And so we had moved into this brand new house and, you know, things went creepy in the night and the creeks were getting to me and my head was under the blankets very often. there, far more than San Francisco. And, you know, I remember walking out to the living room. It must've been about maybe nine or 10 at this point. And, I see my mom looking in the corner and I feel this chill that just is taken over my body. Mm. And I say, mom, there is someone standing behind me right now. Isn't there? <laughs> and she said, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a pirate. And Whoa. she's so calm. She's so calm. <laughs> you know, my mom has this thick Hungarian accent. She sounds like Zsa Gabor, you know, and she, <laughs> she would just panic over everything and she'd walk into a store and the whole store would hear her. But with this, she's calm, cool, and collective and basically saying, hey, there's a dead pirate standing behind you. Don't worry about it. Jeez. (laughs) So at that point was when I started putting two and two together that these thumps in the night that I'm hearing, they're probably something, you know. Um, And, you know, my mom was like, yeah, I send them away all the time. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how she went about doing that. uh, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was very, very intuitive, you know, and she was also, she was a Holocaust Holocaust survivor too. And I think because of that, I think she saw things your average Joe does not see. Mm. And, you know, I think things that would make us panic and even me as a ghost hunter today would make me run out of a house for her. It was just like, yeah, 
whatever. It's just a dead person. No big deal. Well, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Like she doesn't startle easily. You know, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about how would you define a ghost, Linda? Okay, so that's a that's a great question. I really want to thank you for that one because you know there's a lot of talks of ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. What are ghosts? You know what are they, what are they? And what I I think my favorite definition is very simple definition. A ghost is a dead person. They're not mm-hmm. demons. They're nothing else. They are a dead person. You know, they can also be dead animals. They could be dead cats. They could be dead dogs. But they are something that at one point lived on this earth and they are no longer with us. That is a definition of a ghost. Hmm. Something that's still on the the earthly plane, not hanging out in the spirit realm that crosses over. Well, they can be. They don't necessarily, you know, I believe that they can be on other plateaus and still come back and visit. I think many of Mm -hmm. us have guardian angels that are with us all the time and look out for us. Would I call them a ghost? I would not. Mostly because they have a tendency not to appear. Some people do have the appearances of dead relatives. But to me, a true definition of a ghost or a haunting, I should say, is someone that may have passed away in the house you live in or somebody who might know you that's coming back to tell you something or Mm. simply someone that might have died in the street and you walk past that person. That would be to me a very simple definition of what I'd call a ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and in the I, case I'd love of to the, ask a, sorry, uh, Bryce, real quick. And in the okay. case of the pirate, yeah. in the case of yes. the pirate, clearly there before the house was there and probably yeah. buried under the bay someplace, maybe in a sunken good, ship or something. Could be right under the house where they built these houses. It was a whole new community, you know, built on the bay. And, you know, over the years, I remember many people talking about seeing ships in the lagoon, you know, in a lagoon, sure. not hold the ship. So mm, I'm like, yeah. whoa, not a, I'm yes, not the only one pirate ghost. going on. <laughs> <laughs> L- Linda, let me ask, in, in, in your expert opinion, is a ghost a, a fragment or a fractal of a personality or, or is it the entire personality of, of the deceased? I think it depends on how they died. You know, I think those who die suddenly and have no clue that they're dead, they're usually very, very strong entities. Mm. Many times they appear in full form. They're able to communicate in full sentences. They have much more ability to communicate than someone who may have crossed over or someone who's been gone quite a while. Wow. Hmm. So you, you experience both, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen me some, some ghosts, all different kinds. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait. So let's take let's keep let's go back, dip back into your past. Now okay. you're past the age of nine or ten. Pirates yes. are in the house. Mom, who thank thank God you had a mother who knew how to like ward ghosts away and ask them to leave. I wish, you know, we should all be so lucky to have moms who can like dismiss ghosts and scary things Hell away yeah. from their kids. Um when did you start going, okay, my life is heading in this direction? That was not till many years later. Uh, at that point, we had moved to Southern California. And, you know, for some reason in L.A., the time that I lived in L.A. from like 10 to, to about 18, I can't really think of too many times where I had some type of 
paranormal experience, you know, anything mm. with ghosts. I always felt like my little intuition, you know, the little spidey hairs stand up in the back of your neck, things like that. But mm-hmm. nothing, nothing of a, a serious nature. It was right around 18 um, when I started getting in the career world where I was really starting to feel presences around me and going to college and things like that is when I felt like I was opening up again to something that had been closed off for quite a few years. And uh, there were some doozies, I'll tell you that. Some well, real what, doozies. Wow. Why do you think that was? What, what was it about that age? Was it, was it the leaving home? Was it reaching adulthood? What do you think it was that opened you back up to this stuff? I mean, I think that this is probably if you really, and I've done a lot of studies of this with kids. I, I call that my expertise is dealing with children that are haunted. Mm-hmm. At around age 10 or so seems to be the shutoff point. That's when either they've shut it off or their parents are like, you know, I don't want you talking to that invisible friend anymore. Or, you know, you're deep in school, you're trying to get your education. You know, there's a lot more going on in your life around that time than when you're earlier stages, you know, when you're younger. So I think some of it is external, just school and pressures. And others is our parents. I think they're kind of like, hey, you know what? It's not so cute anymore when you're talking to a physical person. You know? Can you can you imagine if we were brought up in a society where we weren't cut off from magic? You know what I mean? Where if, if, if instead of like dwindling those those instincts or those senses at the age of ten, we we heightened them. We were like, yes, you know, feel the feel the world around. If if we all taught our kids like it'd be a pretty magical and mystical world we live in. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, jump in there. Oh my god, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so glad you jumped in because I think it's so sad that we lose this, this gift that so many of us are born with and it's shut off, not by our choice. It really is not, you know, it makes me very sad. What were some of these doozies? Yes. Yes. I know our listeners, our listeners are going, thank God. (laughs) Okay. So there's some some great doozies. Okay. So back in the eighties in Los Angeles, just FYI was kind of a different ball game than current Los Angeles. And bars, you know, you always had to be 21 to get in, but it was a 21-ish rule. So as long as you looked over 18, you weren't going to have too much of a problem. And back then we were all smoking anyway. So everybody looked older and and haggard anyway, because nobody (laughs) took care of themselves back then. So, you know, we all just pre-aged. So it was accepted, you know? So um, I used to love to hang out at a bar called Bortner's. I don't know if you guys have ever been there in Hollywood. Oh, hmm. And it's it's a real fun bar, you know. They're still open. And um, I used to go there after work or whatever, after school, and, you know, have some drinks with friends and blah, blah, blah. So at first, I would see, like, random people standing behind someone. So, for example, if I'm looking at a guy that I want to basically hit on or have a conversation with or think he's going to hit on me, I may see, let's say, an older woman hanging out behind him, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, huh, you know, that's, that's awkward. You know, why is this older woman hanging out behind this, you know, long-haired rocker dude from the 80s? <laughs> right. You know, it, it just did not, it, it, one of these things was not like the other in this bar. You know, this was, you know, a young crowd. And so, God forbid this guy would actually come and have a conversation with me, you know, and, and we talk. It turns out, okay, this is his dead grandmother, Martha, 
who's been trying to talk to him you know, for 10 years since Whoa. she died. So I know things about hot rocker boy that I should not <laughs> know about him. Okay. So our possible love connection has now become an absolute disaster totally. because this young guy is bright pale staring back at me, asking me, how do I know all these things about his grandma, Martha, number one, and him part two and how she's reaching out to him. Yeah, so, well, and and not only that, she's a total third wheel. Like, come on, Grandma, <laughs> move 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 about, please. I mean, talk about blocking. She was blocking. Okay, I mean, this is not a good way to get a future date. I'm warning all the intuitives out that are listening. You know, if someone's Grandma Martha is starting to speak to you when you're being uh. hit on. Ignore the talk. Ignore it immediately. (laughs) Well, she's probably like, wait, you, you can see me. You can hear me. I am trying to tell this guy to get his hair cut and get a job, please. Yes, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, the the worst thing is it's more messages that no one else would know, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just makes it, you go down this rabbit hole and you cannot see above this rabbit hole after you've been down there, you know? And the guy finally just walks away. 10 years older than he was when we started the conversation. So how to learn how to cut that off, which is 75 in like eighties years. You know what I mean? Exactly. exactly. I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a pretty exciting moment in a sense and scary and all these, all these things for you, because I mean, it's, you know, seeing is believing, right. And when you're actually seeing that for yourself and it's just, it's, it's a confirmation to you that there is this world that lies beyond our own. And it it must be so eye opening and scary at the same time. Can you talk about like what that sort of just feels like experiencing something like that? Well, you know, going back to my good old mom, um, you know, she, she hated what I did for a living because the way that she expressed it was beautifully. She said, you're crossing a line that you have to think about because you mm. mu- maybe you should not be crossing that line. Mm. And she was right in many senses. Whenever we investigate something, uh, especially dealing with death, um, you are stepping into their realm. And sometimes you have to be careful about coming back. You know, a lot of people have very bad experiences when you, uh, for example, let me, let me put it this way. If you do this the wrong way by maybe playing with a Ouija board Mm -hmm. or by doing something in a negative way, by trying to egg on a spirit or make them angry towards you, that is a very, very frightening thing to do. Because you are playing with the unknown and it could very much backfire on you. And it does. It really does. Yeah. You know, so it is something that uh, I really want to throw this out to your listeners. I mean, I say, listen, if you have dead relatives and you want to talk to them, by all means, do it. But always be careful and realize that you are dealing with a realm that we're not on. You know, I got to echo that point because we talk about a lot of stuff a lot of stuff on this podcast from aliens to Bigfoot to mystical states and ghosts and entities. And when it gets to the type of stuff you're talking about, like don't play around with that stuff. It's something that like speaks to my own heart too, because that holds solemnity for me. In other words, there there's a gravity there in what you're dealing with that, that, that isn't there for me in the alien abduction phenomena or the Bigfoot in the woods phenomena. That stuff doesn't like, make me take a step back as it does with like angering the 
spirits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Michael, why are you laughing? <laughs> because because I'm just picturing you out in the woods angering the spirit of Bigfoot. <laughs> um, can can you I, elaborate I, on like it, in what way it can backfire, or, and, or can, can you just expand on that? And, and to yeah. build on that, also when you say be careful talking to your dead loved ones, are you talking about like when we're just walking around the apartment, and we're like, "Hey, so and so, thinking about you," or or do you mean like going through some sort of occult tool? No, no. I, I, if I, I think it's great actually when you talk to your loved ones. I want to make that very clear. I think it's wonderful to talk to your dead relatives because I do feel they're around us all the time, mm-hmm. and I think we all kind of feel that, and it gives us a certain warmth to know that at least part of them is still on this earth that we can communicate with. Um, so, no, I'm sorry if I said that. I did not mean to. What I mean to say is. It's very important to communicate with our dead loved ones. It's when you go out there, here is what happens most often. This is when I get called into something, is when someone has played mostly with Ouija boards, Mm. you know, are, are, are played with even, they don't even need Ouija boards. People do very silly things. They basically open themselves up and put themselves in a state and say, come, take over my body, possess me. Don't ever say that. It doesn't sound (laughs) good. It's not something you should do. It's a very, very stupid thing to say, you know, Right. because guess what may happen? They may, they really may. And then you're really in big, big, big trouble. You really are, you know, and that's, that's not a joke and it does happen, unfortunately, you know. What do you do in that case? Like, how do you help someone in that situation? Well, so 90% of the time when I get called in to, let's say, a private home, okay, and they've played with a Ouija board or something, mostly it's something that we can rectify, you know, and it can be cleared most of the time. You know, I'm speaking in very general terms. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are times when I need help and I don't have the ability to clear out something. You know, there are sometimes people have have brought in very, very evil forms into their homes. And man, that stuff is scary, man. That is not fun ghost hunting. That's like, whoa, I'm scared. I'm hearing hissing in my ear. Mm. You know, I've been scratched. I've been pushed. Like, this is not when I'm having a good night, okay? Now, now are those ghosts or are those malevolent spirits or what some people may call demons? They could be demons. I mean, you know, there are... Let's put it this way. We talked a little bit on this about you, you, what is your definition of a ghost? Keep this in mind. If you were a good person when you were on this earth, there's probably a very good chance you're going to be a good person when you die. Okay. But if you were a bad person on this earth and then you died, there's a very good chance you're going to be a pretty evil ghost too. Yeah. That energy you know? doesn't just flip. Yeah. It doesn't flip. And so I would not call them demons. I would call them probably evil people that once walked this earth. Mm. Jeez. L- Linda, how do you, I have so many questions. How do you protect yourself? Okay. So that's a great, great question. And this is something, again, all of you, I hope you do this when you are doing your investigations, you know, no matter what it is, there are, there are spirit realms that can protect us and I use them and I use them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And the one that I use most often is surrounding myself with the white light. 
Now, I want to clarify this. I am not a religious person. I don't believe in any particular religion at all. But I do believe in spirit love, okay? No matter what that is for you, whatever you call that, I surround myself with that love of a spirit. And so help me, God, it really works. So before I do anything, I surround myself with the white light. And if I'm working with others, if I'm coming into their house, if I'm taking them on a tour, we all hold hands and we do basically a cleansing with the white light and it will protect you. I always have a hard time picturing the white light and I don't know why, but it (laughs) freaks me out. Like any, anytime I'm trying to do it, suddenly I'll just see shadows creeping. Linda, just give me your hand. Just Michael, let go. Just let go of the hand. Just give me your hand. Riley, Linda, let's hold hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll leave Michael out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get into some ghost hunting cases, Linda's method of ghost hunting, and then hopefully some spooky stories that uh, she's had while on her on the job. So we'll be right back. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we're back with Linda the Ghost Hunter. Linda, when did you say, I'm a ghost hunter, I'm going to go do this for a living? Okay, so sometimes your life points you in directions you never foresee coming, okay? So we talked a little about me being a bit of a bar fly back in the 80s. Well, some of my best friends, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Cat and Fiddle when it was on Sunset Yes, Mm Mm-hmm. So the owners have been and are still very, very good friends of mine. And um, they knew I was intuitive. They knew me for, you know, they watched me try and hit on boys in their bar and how well that went many, many times. So (laughs) I always knew the bar was haunted. The cat and fiddle, I always knew that. But, um, you know, the way that I considered hauntings was, hey, some dead relative's going to show up and then I'm out of there. Okay. No biggie. (laughs) Easy come, easy go, made a jerk of myself again. Let's get out of here. So what starts happening is the cat and fiddle, um, the owner, Kim, passed away. He was a, a guy named Kim and he died. And what was going on after he died, the bar really changed quite a bit. And, you know, staff kind of came and went. But about five years after his death, they started having some really poltergeist activity. And I'll explain to you what poltergeist activity is. What that is, is something as simple as cabinets opening, closing on their own, books flying, or it could be even 
a little bit more scary than that when all of a sudden a rug comes literally out of underneath your feet and you're flat on your back. Okay. So poltergeist Mm -hmm. activity has lots of different terms and uses. So anyway, they're losing staff because they're getting complaints that people are hearing kids singing in the middle of the night. The cleaning crew is there and they're running out. They're leaving. They're out of there. Uh, They have video of the cooking staff working in the kitchen and a book flies off a top shelf and hits one of the staff, you know? So people are just basically walking out. They're quitting. Okay. And so they come to me and they say, "Um, will you be able to help us, you know, with this? And I said, yeah, absolutely not. Mm -mm, No way. (laughs) Not going to happen. Have a good time. Love you guys. Uh -uh. No, no. Find somebody else. And they're like, no, no, we really need you. I'm like, I get it. I understand, but let me just tell you a little secret. I'm scared of ghosts. Okay, done. Oh scared. I love it. So basically, they kind of would not take no for an answer. And so one of the owners said, I went to school with a girl that's psychic. If she agrees to come with you and check the place out, will you do it with somebody else? <laughs> Amazing. And I said... Okay, but, you know, I basically am putting this up front that I may just run out. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to stay. (laughs) And so this was kind of, I had a lot of disclaimers, as you can hear. I love this is like the Frady Cat goes hunting business. This is like, this is like Shaggy and Scooby (laughs) on a ghost without any treats, okay? So I'm like, all right, I am walking into the great unknown and I am scared shitless. That's all I can really say at this point. So sure enough, we do this hunt together and, you know, we did not have tools at this point. I was very new to this, but we did a few things like, Hey, if someone's here, can you turn off and on this flashlight? And sure enough, the flashlight went off. Last night went back on. Um, it was crazy. It was a crazy experience. Wow. And was I scared? Yes. I almost threw up too. I also got really nauseous the first time I ever did a ghost hunt. Do you think that was from nerves or from energy? I would say combination of both, you Uh know, a a little bit of both was going on. And so anyway, to to really sum it up, um, it ended up being kind of something that I had to do on a regular basis. It turned out to be a very, very, very haunted location. And as I got more and more into this ghost hunting, I was always what you would call kind of a geek you know, even as a little girl, I loved taking apart radios. The problem was I wasn't very good at putting them back together. So, you know, I left a lot of damage behind. Linda, yeah. we're all pretty good at that, to be honest with you. Yeah, 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 I think we all went through that stage where it's just great to take things apart. Um, but as I got older, I kind of started putting two and two together and figured out how to put things back together. And so I started coming coming up with my own equipment and I started inventing things that were working, you know, and helping me discover cool. stuff that I, I could not hear. And Way of course, cool. back then we used a lot of just digital recorders, you know, and the EVPs that we got to this day are still some of the best EVPs that I've ever captured. Oh. I have a little girl singing. I mean, <gasps> singing. There's yeah. no one else in the room and you hear this. Very high voice going, da, 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 da. 
I mean, when you hear it, I'm getting the chills just saying this to you right now. Oh, <laughs> you know, God. it's just, it's a, it was very haunted. That's all I can yeah. say. The place was very, very haunted. And did Kim what? have anything to do with Did Kim ever say hello? Very, very astute of you. Yes. He came through very clearly. And he also gave me one of the best EVPs I ever got. Um, my last name is Silverstein, and I've never been one who you know, introduces themselves or uses both names. And I got a digital recording saying Linda Silverstein, as clear oh. as I'm talking to you right now. Um, so, I mean, the stuff that I got was just absolutely unexplainable. Nobody ever questioned it. You know, it was stuff that we could have never made up. And it- finally, they ended up leaving that location. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the best move they could have ever made. <laughs> really? Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was so frightening in there. You know, that's oh, like the audience member that's watching a scary movie. They're just move, just move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah, always move. the best answer. Just move. Just move. Yes. <laughs> so Linda, what is what is like the root of the fear? Like, is it that the ghost can harm you? Is it is it just the presence of it itself? Like what? What What is scary about a haunted location? Well, you know, there are so many ghost hunters that I'm sure people have seen on television, you know, these thug guys who are real tough and rough and, right. you know, walk into it like, hey, I'm a ghost hunter, you know. <laughs> um, my thing is I'm scared of ghosts and I think it's a healthy thing to be scared of ghosts because if I lose that fear, yeah. I think that bad things can start happening to me because, mm. you know, you stop – once you kind of lose that edge and you forget that you're dealing with a dead person, right? you're in trouble. You know, <laughs> hmm. you know, this is not a live person. I'm dealing with something that can hurt me. I'm dealing with something I can't see. You know, they have the power. I don't. So it's good hmm. to have a little fear. I always go in with fear. I think that's smart. Yeah. You don't want to normalize uh, speaking or seeing the dead. I mean, it's, you know. We're not, supp- which is, <laughs> which is fast. Yeah. I mean, which I would tend to agree with, but it's also fascinating because we would have, we've had guests on this show that would maybe say the otherwise, like, oh, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people out there that say it's no big deal. And listen, I'm not judging them. Yeah. But at, Neither at least are we. for me, you know, I, I'm saying that there's a safety thing in, in being a little afraid. Well, I you would know? agree with you. I, I would agree with you. I think of it like this, and, and maybe you agree with me, Linda. No matter how clear the transmission uh, from whoever or whatever entity is coming through, um, it's always just a part of the elephant's foot. And by that, I mean nobody is seeing the whole picture. You know, uh, you have five blind guys touching an elephant. They're not going to be able to tell you what it is, you know. And I think I think this phenomenon is is like that. And 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 I think it you're right to to be cautious because even when we think we have the most firmest grasp on on what's taking place in the afterlife, I think it's only just a sliver, a small portion of what's really taking place. And for that reason alone, we should be cautious. You're 100% right. And I wish more people would think about this. You know, I mean, I get so many emails and questions and, you know, through social media, Instagram, you name it, people asking me, you know, how do I communicate with the dead? Should I just go get a Ouija board? Should I do this? Should I get dowsing rods? (laughs) Should I do this? Should I do that? And my answer is absolutely not. Yes, I know it's a fascinating thing. And I know that we all want to go out there and find all these dead people and prove that they exist. But 
you know, it's mostly kids too. It's like, just don't open the door. Talk mm-hmm. to your dead relatives. You mm-hmm. know, that's fine, but there's no reason to go exploring. It'll come to you if you're meant to do this. And I will say this. I was destined to be a ghost hunter and it's been a very up and down career. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I don't always love being a ghost hunter. Many times I don't even like being a ghost hunter, but I don't. Sounds a lot like acting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we don't choose it, but it chooses us. Well, Mm -hmm. so if you, so when you communicate and you're on these uh, hunts, what tech do you use? What are some of these instruments that you've either invented or adapted or have borrowed from ghost hunting history? Well, a little bit of all. Um, I really, really love spirit boxes. Uh, my Definitely my strength um, is hearing. I hear even without the spirit box. But when I hear something and the spirit box also hears what I've heard, great. It makes you feel good. It does verify and it gives you a good tap on the shoulder that you're in the right profession. Run, Linda, um, for, for our listeners who may not know, can you just tell us what a spirit box is? Thank you. I will be happy to do so. So there are several different forms of spirit boxes. With today's technology, the most common are the ones that you can download an app on your phone. Okay. I try not to use those. Those aren't my favorite. Mine is an old AM FM radio from this old place called Radio Shack that went out of business a long time ago. <laughs> Riley's, is- Riley's got a big smile on his face right now. I love Radio Shack so much. Do you remember Radio then. Shack? Love oh, that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was a geek's nerd. Like, like it was just like my happy yep. place. I That's how it. they repaired Same. Short Same. Circuit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was Johnny it was Five is alive. Johnny Five is alive because of Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great. It was a great place. But so anyway, so what this radio basically has been modified to do is go through stations very, very quickly. And what it does is it creates this thing called white noise. And white noise is something spirits love because it gives them an opportunity for their voices to be heard direct. Okay. So they take this, this electricity and they manipulate it and they talk right through it. And believe me, they will. Um, Mm. I've gotten amazing stuff. So that's my number one. The old school is always going to be my favorite is the white noise. Now, I also have technology that is very modern and very hip. Um, I have a thing called the Obulus 5. And that's a walking dictionary that has 250,000 words in it. Wow. And what it allows is spirits to basically just come up and say what it is they want to say. And it says the word right out. It speaks for them. Wow. It's really a neat device. And, you know, there's always misses in the paranormal realm. You can't, nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent, but I would say the ovulus is a good 80%. You know, it's, it's pretty accurate at coming up with true statements. You know, for example, I was just in Malibu um, a couple weeks ago doing a private house and the person who passed away, his name was Roger. And Roger must've come up on that ovulus like eight times. So, I mean, there's no way I would have known that, but here it is over and over again, repeating Roger, Roger, Roger. And the woman was really cool about it. She did not want to say anything. And finally she, she just started crying. You know, she's <laughs> like, I can't take it anymore. Riley, so, I want you to Google Ovilus 5B right now. This is called digital dowsing. This thing is awesome. It is a cool piece of gear. And I think we should save up our pennies and buy one. 
Sound, yeah. It sounds like we need one. Yeah. Did you not yeah. just hear Linda's advice? <laughs> uh, well, when you guys, you can make me, you have to make me a promise, okay? Whenever you decide okay. you're going to go use this, can I at least come with you the first time? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Deal and done. Okay. Done okay. and done. Okay. Um, sure. What other tech? Any like old, like, this is what they would use in the Victorian era. Like any any old tech that you're like, this still works really well. Dowsing rods. You can't go wrong mm. with dowsing rods. You just can't. Dowsing wow. rods were originated by Native Americans. You know, they go way, 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 way back. And they probably were used before Native Americans. They were originally used to find water. You know, so basically what a dowsing rod is, it's back then they were two branches. And they held these two branches the same <clears throat> size. They held them out in front of them, both arms extended. And they looked for water. And if they found water, the rods would cross or the sticks mm-hmm. in this case would cross. Some paranormal person jumped on them years later and said, hey, you know, if we make these in brass, how great are they for communicating with spirits? Mm. They're fantastic. They're a hands-on device. Wow. I also think they're much safer uh, than Ouija boards. Yeah. I think okay. Ouija boards are the most deceiving Yes. The scariest thing anybody could ever use, to be honest. Well, and you can't buy dowsing rods at Target. But yet Parker Brothers is still selling Ouija boards by the millions uh, all across America and the globe. I always found that such an ironic, weird uh, toy, I guess. Yeah. Without any disclaimers, Bryce, without any disclaimers, without saying, yeah. hey, listen, you may bring something evil into your house, but hey, just buy this. It's okay. Right, mm-hmm. right. But we, we bought a Halloween mask today that said it's not, don't don't hold it in front of a flame in front of your face. Uh, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what makes the Ouija board uh, more dangerous? Like, well, what is it, it about first it? of all, they, they are real. I have no question. And that's not something I will ever question is the Ouija board because it is probably the gateway to the other side that Mm. your average Joe can use. You're basically offering them a board where you're holding hands with somebody else or with your friends saying, hey, spirits, come here, spell out your name. I don't care if you're good, bad, or indifferent. I just want to know what your name is, you know? And you are opening up every realm. There is nothing closed off at this point. Yeah, right. And it, it works. You know, they, they really do. There's a new device that I have just bought, and I cannot verify that this works or not. I'm going to do a hunt tomorrow night, um, and I can give you guys details on this. But it is an interesting device. It's an electronic Ouija board. So wow. it will give the spirits the opportunity to spell things out. Wow. Um, and we'll see how that works. For some reason, if it's electronic to me, I feel like it's safer. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like yeah. my hands aren't on it. Totally. Let them use this thing. You do it. You know, I was, Michael, I also I, just feel I, I was, with, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say with the Ouija boards, it always feels like anyone can get on the line and be like, yeah, I'm grandpa. Why don't you talk to me? You know what I mean? Like anyone can yeah. use it to. Oh, it's a, it deceives someone so, so yeah. easily. Absolutely. How, you have no verification process none, uh, for who none. you're talking to. None whatsoever. How are you going to you know, vet these ghosts? How are you going to vet, gonna these, vet ghosts these ghosts, y'all? You know, I, Linda, I told I I had a what I would call a supernatural experience when I was just a young boy, and it's the story starts with me moving into a new cul-de-sac and a bunch of uh, young boys gathering on my driveway, and pl- I don't remember the 
game, but I do remember something being summoned. And more and more, at I looking back, I, I I'm starting to really think that that was a Ouija board that that young boy was playing with. I I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost sure of it now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you guys are lucky you walked away. I mean, what I'm glad about with your experience is that you Terrified. were outside. You know, and not inside because yeah. and that thing was outside your window later at night. It was night, outside Bryce. my window. Yeah, it was. Really? Yeah. yeah, it was like a red devil with like yellow glowing eyes. It was horrifying. Oh my god! Wow. No, wow. but it sent but it sent me down this path, which I've been on ever since, and I'm so grateful for the experience in a strange way. You know, uh, here we are talking about this stuff. Uh, how many years later? You know, that's that's actually, as, although that's a really scary story, I'm actually grateful that happened to you because yeah, I am glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. You know, I, I wish there was more of us out there that would ask these questions and pursue the unknown because there is so much to be discovered. And as long as you do it the right way, there's nothing wrong with investigating what's out there. Well said. Yep. Well, it's Halloween time and mm-hmm. we... Would be remiss if we didn't ask, what are some of the scariest moments that you've had on a ghost hunt? Okay, so, um, God, where to begin? Let me sum it up quickly. I'm going to do like a quick, you know, run up on the scariest. I've been thrown across the room, okay? I have been holding a digital recording and saying, you know, I feel like someone's standing behind me and the recording is, I'm right here. I've had dead people scratch my stomach. Um, I've been pushed, pulled. My nose has been broken. Wait, Um, what? What happened with your nose? Yeah, I got pushed so hard, you know, that I I had no reflexes and I just landed flat on my face. So, and that was at the Cat Fiddle, by the way. Jeez. The scratch was at the Biltmore Hotel last Halloween. And it was a huge scratch right across my stomach. Um, Where are those I've scratches coming from? How are they scratching us without fingernails? You've seen ghosts you know, when he moves the quarter at the subway. No, I I get it, but what? But but this is a phenomenon. What's behind <laughs> yeah, that scratching yeah. phenomenon? I really don't know. You know, I I really don't. You know, that's a great question. I do not know how they did it, but I will say, you know, I've been scratched. I have my share of cats, but this this was something like pain like I've never felt. It was a burning wow. pain. You know, that Whoa. was that was really scary. You know, and and these constant feeling like someone's behind me. But here is the icing on the cake. And this is kind of humor built with fear. I bought a new house two years ago. So you would think, okay, Linda the ghost hunter, she's coming in, man. She's gonna check this out and she's gonna guarantee <laughs> that this house is not oh, haunted, no. right? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> which I did. Which I did, because this house was built in 1944, okay? I did my job, and I did it well. Here's what I did not check out, guys. I did not check out the backyard or the back alley, because who would? Okay? So basically, here I am, moved into my house. We're in a pandemic, and I decide, let's do a live YouTube show for my YouTube channel. And I had Zachariah over, which I know you guys have interviewed. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, of course. And, and Bane was over, and there was quite a few of my friends. And Gibby, friend of the show. Room. Yes. So here we all are in my backyard kind of doing like a seance type thing and, and you know, just checking out the new pad. 
And so it turns out that a guy was murdered right there in my back alley, right behind oh my house. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. And his name is Flunky. So <laughs> Flunky right. decides, hey, right. this is really Flunky. cool that this chick can speak with me. And she lives right there, man. This is awesome. Oh, Great. So. Shitty ghost neighbor. (laughs) Very shitty ghost neighbor. So I did put up boundaries on the house where he could not come in. But again, didn't really stop him from being outside my window, kind of going, hey, Linda, I'm here. I'd really like to talk. Uh, So it was more of a humorous like the Kramer of ghosts. Uh, (laughs) Very much like the Kramer. Yes, you know. And so, um, you know, luckily, Flunky has left, I think, after he really was able to tell this story. He did leave, which was a great day in my life because having a ghost friend that's a neighbor, not a great, great thing. No. Have some Uh-oh. sympathy for Flunky. He was murdered, Linda. He no, was no, murdered. no sympathy whatsoever. Goodbye, Flunky. And his nickname is Flunky. I mean, how bad can it be? That was his nickname. That's a was bad mur- name. Was he murdered yeah. in like the 40s? No, later, it seems like he was, from what I, I actually found research about this, he was an undercover police officer. Oh, wow. And apparently my alley, which is still not, let me tell you, it's, it's not Rodeo Drive. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, and uh, so apparently Flunky's he was alley. undercover and he got stabbed right there in my backyard. Um, and well, I guess I'd call it the back alley, but it's pretty much my backyard. Yeah. yeah. There's a thin so. fence dividing Flunky's last standing site and your, and your lawn. And I must say that is the only time, you know, you guys talk to Zachariah. He is a tough cookie and he Mm. is a true spiritualist. That is the first time the two of us, we saw this white entity appear in front of us and we both just hugged each other. We both got so scared. We just couldn't move. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. People say they want to see a ghost until they fucking see a ghost. You bet your butt. You just sum that up. Yeah. What is your, what are some of these full body apparitions you've seen? Like how, how, cause I've seen my, the, our listeners know this story, but I, I've, I've seen the ghost of a little girl. Mm. And so I have an idea of what it was, but I'm curious for you how, like how highly defined are these full body apparitions that you see? You know, most of the time there's something left to be desired. I mean, there's been very few that I've seen with the naked eye that are full bodies where you see okay. everything. You know, I'd say 90% of the ones I've actually visually seen without equipment um, have been like maybe a dark shadow or somebody walking towards me that maybe I can make out a little bit of a face, you know, something along those lines. Or when we saw Flunky, that was about the closest I've seen to a full body apparition where it was just this white fog that was Mm -hmm. forming into a full body. You know, that was really scary. But with my equipment, you know, because I have a lot of infrared cameras and things that I use, I have definitely seen full bodies. You know, I have seen somebody standing right there with all their entities, you know, all the arms, the, the, the feet, the everything. Wow. So, you know, that's the way I've really captured them. But, you know, I'm sure even when you saw your little girl, and I've seen a lot of uh, children ghosts myself, they're a little bit more defined. And I yeah, think it's she was. That just gave me chills. That gave me chills. I could see the white of her eyes. Yeah. That's how to find. She was very pale, um, but very, very defined 
from the point of view that I could see her. Bryce, that that uh, Linda's description of the infrared and the thermals mm. remind you know I have to think of Expedition Bigfoot, Bigfoot in those moments yeah, when sure. you guys and Maria are out there and they're holding up a camera mm-hmm. and they can see orbs of light and thermal images of something standing right in front of them, but but the naked eye is not picking it up. Yeah. Well, wasn't it Greg Newkirk who first said Bigfoot is a ghost? <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. he was right. And, you know, it's like when you were saying that, like, sometimes there are a lot left to be desired. I even think of like some cryptid encounters or like alien encounters, like the Hopkinsville goblins, like because they couldn't see their feet. Remember, it was almost like they they, they didn't remember that detail of their feet. None of the witnesses, and there were a lot of them, couldn't just remember their their feet. And I was like, that's so very ghost-like. It's so strange, uh, mm. all this phenomena. Uh, but there's a lot of connecting parallels and patterns that I, I think would be you would be remiss to overlook. You know, I agree with you 100% on Bigfoot. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was holding back on that topic, but my theory has always been the reason why it's been so difficult to capture evidence about Bigfoot is because very well, this could be a spirit of maybe mm-hmm. a tribe of them that mm-hmm. lived in the past yes. and that they are not on this earth walking. They are leaving their footprints, you know, their footprint literally behind, but they are no longer on this earth. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that. Wow. Linda, you've described malevolent spirits or evil ghosts, ghosts. Um, have you ever encountered anything that you would go, well, this isn't, a, this isn't a category I'm so sure about. Anything that might feel more extraterrestrial or more like that cryptid uh, category? This was recent. It was on the Queen Mary. And yes, to answer your question, I really feel like for the first time I may have communicated with some type of of alien. Let's just use that Whoa. term. All right, know let's mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? Grace. John Keel John Keel loved this term, ultra terrestrial, which sort of couched it all. So and I think that might be a good term. Let's do that. Ultra ter- terrestrial. Well, I can't say it, but if I could, I think it'd be a great <laughs> term. <laughs> great. Um, I don't know what happened on the Queen Mary. I thought I was communicating with the spirit, but I can tell you I was not. Because they were talking about the planet, the damage. Wow. Mm. how the earth had been damaged, how we need to unite. And this was for a show that I do TFIL. You mentioned them earlier. And these guys kid around a lot. You know, they're not very serious when we do this stuff. And that was a big, they never aired this because he did not know what to do with it. (laughs) It had so much to do with the damage we've done. Yeah. You know, that's a that's probably the most number one common recurring theme in alien abduction phenomena, contactee experience, are these images of the end times, apocalypse, eschatological uh, nightmares or visions. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you were definitely talking to some type of ultra terrestrial. Yes. Yes. And it was, you know, it was very, very informative to me. What was the context in which in the Queen Mary, how how did this uh, interaction uh, begin? Well, we were just using several pieces of equipment and one was the ovulus. And then we also used the puck, which is similar to the ovulus. Um, it's also, also from digital dowsing. But the difference between the puck is you're able to uh, be in a different room and use the puck. And you can basically type in your questions on any type of 
Android device. Okay. So, so cool. we were just asking, you know, is someone here with us, blah, blah, blah. And it got to this point where we realized we weren't talking to a ghost. You know, we were talking to something that knew far more than we do mm-hmm. on what's happening with this earth. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about the planets. It was talking about the solar system. It was talking about so much, you know, health and wellness. And it was quite shocking, but also very, very interesting. I would say that's probably the first time in my life I've experienced that, you know? Wow. 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 So that was an incredible thing. I mean, the Queen Mary is definitely some type of vortex and it's not just for dead people. I think a lot goes on on that ship. Is it because of where in our backyard, guys, we got to go to that. Is it because of where it's docked or was it, do you think it's always the ship itself is a portal or a vortex? I think that there's been so much death involved with that ship that it doesn't really matter where it is right now. I think that there's so much that stays on that boat that's never left that I feel that it's basically like the best way to sum it up forget portal, a Ouija board for the spirits of any kind. It's basically saying, Hey, here we are. Here's a big light, like the Luxor hotel in Las Vegas. Come visit. We'd love to have you. Hmm. Well, it's sitting right there on water. And you know, we've talked about (laughs) the connection to like, you know, water is just this perfect conduit for, and obviously it seems to be electricity as well as a great conduit for, uh, for a communication method with the other side. But when, when, with this boat sitting in that, that long beach pier and in that water and, and it being a vessel housing, probably so much, like you said, trauma, uh, it's just the perfect cocktail for a for, for a vortex. We gotta go. What are we doing? <laughs> okay, <laughs> Linda. So down. Ready before we say it. goodbye, and the Queen yes. Mary might be it. What is the most haunted place you've been? You know, I get asked this question a lot, and everybody wants me to say the Cecil Hotel, but I'm not going to say the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> I am going to say the Queen Mary. I really wow. am. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's up there. It's definitely, it's always in the top 10 lists. You know, you hear, have you been to the Whaley House in San Diego? That's another big one. I have not. You know, I need to, Ooh. I need, I need to do a little bit more traveling. You know, the problem is I get, you know, basically I, I go to private houses is how I make mm-hmm. a living. Mm. So when I'm not, when I'm on vacation, I actually like to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was going to totally ask that. Yeah, you probably don't want to. You probably want to leave that alone when you're just trying to get some, you know, you time. That yeah. would be a good location for your YouTube. Uh, it's I don't know how much you know about it, but I've been there, and it's a wild location because they built the sidewalks over a graveyard in front of the. Um, they like they widened the street and the sidewalks. So you're walking over graves when you're outside the house. <laughs> Oh, and wow. then there used it was a, a ju- I think either a judge lived upstairs and then the courtroom was downstairs and then they would go out back and hang people th- in the backyard from a tree out there. So it's just it is a spooky, ooky place like wow. I I the first time I went there, I was like, oh, I absolutely feel stuff here. It's it's pretty spooky. Wow. I'd well, be interested I, I, in in what you would experience there. 
Yeah, you know, it's time to start taking some field trips. So, <laughs> well, that, that, that might be on the list. Leave some room in the back seat or the trunk of the car because we'd love to tag along. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to go do something with you guys. You're so much fun. I, oh, you know, great. I would love to do something. Well, we feel the same way about you. Yeah. 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 We'll make that happen. I have a good feeling. Linda, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Where can people find you, you, your YouTube, your work? If people need your help, how can they contact you? Okay. I'm pretty much on all this social media. Linda, the ghost hunter is just look me up. I have a webpage. I have my YouTube. I have Instagram. You know, if, if you feel, especially if someone is listening that may have a child that's haunted, uh, particularly in Los Angeles, uh, there's no charge for me ever coming out to check out kids because that is my number one goal to help children that are haunted. Wow. So uh, please feel free to contact me. Or if you think your house is haunted, have me come out. There's only one way to find out. Let's investigate yep. it. Send Linda. That's the send Linda. She'll tell you. She might run out if okay. you're. She might run out the moment she gets there. But uh, <laughs> I'll be right behind her. <laughs> then you'll know. You know hey, you'll that's know. a disclaimer, isn't it? I will run out. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Linda. This has just been a blast. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, there you go, Club Scouts. Linda, the Ghost Hunter, a new. Uh, Hall of Famer. I'm gonna just amazing, call it right yeah, away. totally. Bigfoot totally. Collectors Club. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're collecting like like we needed a ghost hunter. Like I'll take that card. Yeah. Okay, this is our <laughs> Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, we did. We didn't have. We did not have a ghost hunter. That's crazy to me. Um, no, no. All right, everybody. Uh, if you love the show, please follow and subscribe to uh, BCC on your favorite podcast app. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star review. It helps get the show to new listeners. If you do, we might read it on the air like this one. And I'm going to tell you guys, this is this might be my favorite review we've gotten so far. All right, this is a hefty one. It's from NL128. The title is "My Girlfriend Doesn't Get It." I was, wa- <laughs> Sorry. I, was, I was relaxing watching Expedition Bigfoot and my girlfriend approaches me like a squatch from a roadside tree line. And she no. says, that guy is too good looking to believe in that stuff. Talking about Bryce. <laughs> and I was like, want to bet? And I showed her the BCC podcast and she said, here, Shawana, go ahead. No, and no, have no. A list. He said, he said, he oh, said, you gotta I keep said, these characters distinct. Sorry. It's a, it's a, sorry, I gotta <laughs> work on my character work here. And he says, hey, Shawana, go ahead, go ahead and have a listen. And she replies, yeah, I don't care. And so That's he says, wife. you just stick to watching my 600 pound life and leave me alone. Sunday nights are for Sasquatch. Don't you forget it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> keep up the good work. Five stars. Love wow. That's my favorite review. What am I? How, how, uh, how can that not be my favorite review I've ever heard? That's like a, I feel like this is like an Edward Albee play. This is like a very, this is like a Bigfoot based who's afraid of Virginia Wolf. I'm a little yeah, concerned. That, I'm a little oh concerned about God, this couple. So I, I love that he was ready to like pr- a three act structure. That was like, yes, yeah, he wrote it review. that way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So great. I, that's like that was my, that was my wife's response to the orb I saw on Halloween night. I don't care. Can we go now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Uh, well, guys, this clubhouse hang is winding down. But if you want more BCC, then join our Patreon, BCC the other side, for just five bucks a month, which is going to get you guys three exclusive bonus episodes plus 
access to the entire Other Side archives, which is expansive. Yes. Head over there now to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club to join now. Yeah, that's right. Three exclusive bonus episodes every month. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. I'm at McMills on both of those and on Cameo if you want to hit me up over there. I have another podcast, Slate Your Name, where I talk to actors and creators about working in Hollywood. So please check that out. Yeah, hit me up on those socials. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson and on Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. And and uh, hit me up on Cameo as well. I love making videos and and, and starting a dialogue with you guys. It's a, lot been a lot of BCC fun. folks uh, hitting yes. us up love over there, guys. and it's been Woo. fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to echo that. Also hit me up on Cameo. I've been really <laughs> enjoying getting Cameos. I've never felt so famous. Um, <laughs> love it. It's honestly so fun. I, I will do such a good job for you, I promise. I've been I've been giving people tours of my corner of the uh, of the clubhouse. Like I'm oh, showing yes, them, you guys are crushing mine. Then yeah, Damn. I'm showing people okay. books <laughs> off the shelf. I'm showing them stuff that like we're that we're researching that's coming down the pipeline. Oh, I'm showing damn, action okay. figures off my shelf, guys. If you, I'm just saying, <laughs> I make it worth your while. Yep. Same, same. You can check out the synths that I used to score the show. I'll even play them. You know, maybe I'll make a little custom BCC Bri- score just for meanwhile, you. Meanwhile, Bryce is just picking his kids up from school, and he's just doing <laughs> yeah, it. Like, oh, hey, uh, well, uh, happy birthday, uh, uh, Jeff. Oh is it? All right, I'll step it up. I'll step up the game. <laughs> no, I'm sure your cameos are great. I make Bryce. it special for our BCC, our BCC listeners, for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm also Peace Drone on Instagram, and that's uh, my only social media presence at this time. Great. Oh, and if you uh, go ahead and join the other side, you want to kick that pledge up a little bit, you can get access to the ultra-terrestrial tier, which is full of ambient music and j- rambling journal entries and uh, some of the songs that I've written and all sorts of things. It's the uh, it's it's Riley's corner of the Patreon, so check it out. There you go. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. Um I guess we're going to go cross over to the other side right now and talk about the 1987 supernatural horror movie, The Gate, one of my childhood (laughs) favorites. We'll see if it holds up. Uh, If we don't see over there, meet us back here, right here, next Wednesday for an all-new episode and the continuation of terrifying tales from Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. 
Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.